This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive, but necessary, and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapist, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Hello, everyone. It's Friday, and if today unfolds as we expect, there will be our largest film of the year, our largest comparison of the year, one of our biggest comparisons probably since we last did a feature film. Actually, maybe the, the $8,000 car piece. It's kind of that scale. Price of Fun is five really amazing cars back-to-back. It is launching on our main YouTube channel today, Friday, and I hope you will see it maybe at work, but hopefully this weekend on some, find your big screen with good speakers and watch it like that this weekend, please, because that will totally change how other people find it. We really hope you enjoy. And the concept for the film really stemmed from the podcast Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because we talk about price level so much. Yes. And we talk about, you could get this old thing, Mm -hmm. which is cool, but for the same money, you could get this new thing or... (laughs) Or vice versa. How much are BMW i8s? Yeah. How, you know, it gets us thinking. And then what all, how much do you have to pay for your fun? Is it still fun? Mm-hmm. Well, that was the $8,000 car piece on the other end of the spectrum. We ended up driving the cheap sports cars. You bought your ridiculous Maserati. I bought my Phaeton. I mean, we have definitely. That can be put in front of any Maserati. Totally. The, the <laughs> it's, it's utterly ridiculous. ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's a fair. But we have, we have definitely proven that you can drive stuff that is cheap or unexpected and it be fun. Yeah. But does the reverse work? If I spent all this money, did it get that much more fun? I I love this conversation. It's It's, so great. It's endless. So we're really hoping you enjoy it. Please leave a comment. We hope it generates a lot of discussion. There's a movie out called Race for Glory about Group B racing. Did you notice this trailer been going around? I did see it, yeah. uh, Yeah, Alpha versus launch in the 1983 World Rally Championship. That comes out January 18th, 2024. And I'm really interested. And I'm actually kind of encouraged that car movies are getting better. Ford versus Ferrari was pretty dang good. It was very good, yeah. And then I'm really intrigued by Ferrari starring Adam Driver. It looks interesting. As Enzo. Mm -hmm. I've got Mm -hmm. a good buddy, the Pontiac guy. Okay, sure, yeah, yeah. He's part Italian, and he okay. named his young son Enzo. Oh, no. Okay. So Enzo is totally into the right. GTO. That's funny. All right. It's that's really very funny. funny. I, mean, I like it. Pontiac, not a Ferrari, but still. That's true. I get you. His name's Enzo. And then this new one coming out, Group B Racing. It sounds cool. I mean, can car movies suck less and less? It well, seems that way. I'm, I'm going to say something terrible, and, I'm, and just, you know, I hope this is good. But just so all of you know, dear listener, January, early February, that is the movie dumping ground because oh, Thanksgiving oh, to the end of the year, that is when you've saved your big Oscar baiting, you know, really prestigious <laughs> film. Okay. And please don't get me wrong. Those films then will launch in LA and New York the week of Christmas and New Year's just so they can be eligible for the Oscars that year. Here's all the actual planning that goes in. So then they wind up in your local theater anywhere you are in the, in the world in January, February, but they launched key in December. The movies that launch in January, February are typically because, well, that's not turning out very well. Where do we put it? January, February, we're done with Oscar <sighs> stuff. Occasionally, something breaks out and defies reason and logic there. So I'm hoping that late January release is not a harbinger for this isn't very good. <laughs> oh, man. But I didn't I, know there was a movie I'm dumping sorry. ground. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. January, How February. If you ever see a movie That's that is sucks. like, that looks really good. That looks really good coming into January. Uh-oh. <laughs> really? Maybe not. Again, occasionally oh, something man. breaks out that they put in there because they think it's not going to do well and people go because it's actually really good. That does happen. But in general, when we were at New Line, this was a thing. 
It's really? like what's being released between Thanksgiving and December and what is not working that goes right there in January, February. <laughs> oh my god. That was every year. That sucks. So I, I forget did... I forget what trailer it was I saw recently, and, and I suddenly were watching it, and we were like, oh, this looks like it's halfway decent. And the, and the release date was like first week of February. It's like, nope, it's not going to be good. <laughs> oh it's not going to be good. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. Well, when I hope did so. Need for Speed come out? I admit to fully judging it because the trailers I've seen just do not make it look good. If it is good, then I'm, I'm willing to sit down and give it my time. But still, Need for Speed did not look good compelling when did that thing come out this is the like the old the movie like from 10 years ago with the guy the, from the recent one the, oh, about the, the gran, gran turismo, turismo oh, gran turismo movie or uh, sorry not Need that for was Speed. Yeah. that was late the, summer yeah that was late summer because see that's the other thing the, the the here's the other trick is you have your summer movies after july 4th you're getting into the movies oh, that they know man. need a summer audience but are not necessarily a shoe-in Okay, the stuff that releases, I mean, Star Wars and Jaws proved all this. The stuff that releases in late April, typically early May through July 4th, those are the movies they expect to be huge. They aren't always huge, but they expect them to be huge. So like beginning of May through July 4th, those are the stuff that's the summer, like first run stuff they expect to be massive because they want it to play all summer. From July 4th on, it's summer movie worthy, but we're not sure how it's going to play. And end of August is barely summer. (laughs) We think it's a summer movie, but please, we hope everything else has kind of run work its course. And I believe that uh, the uh, the Grand Turismo movie came out in August. Yes, August twenty fifth. There you go. Ugh. August twenty fifth. I'm so discouraged. That tells now. you a lot. I'm sorry. That there means this movie's gonna suck. Everyone, there. we'll see. We've, we've I don't know. It. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> uh, next piece of news is from Genesis. I love what Genesis d- is doing. They have released in a sweet shade of orange <laughs> a new concept car called the genesis x grand berlinetta vision gran turismo concept it was that, shown. please please shorten that name yeah that that will need to be for, <laughs> if if please, it's anything close to production that'll please, need to be please, trimmed please down a touch that name. unless it's be, becomes acronymized and it's the gbv gtc please stop please please car please, from you're just hurting me now genesis <laughs> Shown in Barcelona, but the whole takeaway, even though this is just a concept, there is no powertrain. Virtually, it will be some sort of 10,000 RPM V6, but then in reality, who knows, right? <laughs> 10,000 RPM V6 with a hybrid motor creating 4,000 horsepower, 1,000 yeah. horsepower per wheel. That's what will happen. Go. That's what it'll be, yep. But nevertheless, the whole point, the takeaway is future cars can be sexy. Mm. This is good news for enthusiasts. This is good news for all of you listening who also, like me, like Todd, believe cars should look good. And I wonder if this is also a harbinger, not of doom, but of everybody getting <laughs> sick of their silver SUVs. I hope Electric, so. gas, I don't care. But will people become so tired of their five-seat SUV and this comes out even in production? Mm-hmm. People would be like, you know, I feel like something totally different. Honey? <laughs> Sell the, sell the kids. We're buying a two-seater. <laughs> we we need to get this. The family is downsizing. You have to go. It can't take the whole family anyway. So <laughs> let's. Mom and I want to buy a two-seater. Exactly. I'm afraid the kids have to go. Kids, how do you really feel about college? I'm just wondering. How do you really terrible feel? terrible parenting thoughts? <laughs> but this is the reason the SUV survives is because it's all of the people that frankly are not listening to this podcast that need an appliance and don't care about how it drives or what it looks like, those people will continue to buy. I just called them those people. Sorry. They will continue to buy a five-seat CUV. I have plenty of those people in my family, by the way, so I'm calling it right now. But anyway, yeah. Does that mean 
sports car ownership equates to parenting fail. My mother-in-law legitimately so. owns a silver five-seat CUV. I know. She, and, and it's and it's one of a few. Yeah, uh-huh. Oh, all right. Well, good news. Genesis is doing cool things. Let's encourage every other car manufacturer to design beautiful cars because those are objects of desire. We want to buy those cars. Mm-hmm. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Whatever car you're looking for and wherever it's listed, you'll find it with Autotempest.com. Autotempest.com brings together results from all the top used car listings anywhere online to save you time and help you find the perfect car. It even lets you compare with nationwide results from Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, and far beyond your local area. Plus, you can now get email alerts for your search, so you're sure not to miss anything. You can even price and find new cars from nearby dealers. That's why Autotempest is now the official sponsor of all our test drive videos. We use it to search for new cars or used cars wherever they are. So when you're doing your drive homework or you're chasing your next family car or you're just browsing so you can see what's out there, go to autotempest.com slash everyday so they know we sent you. Autotempest. All the cars, one search. Good day, Matt. Matt is writing to us from Australia, and I'm actually very excited about this. He, he goes down through his list of cars, and I found myself looking many of them up. Like, what is that? I haven't heard it. Oh, that's that. Oh, I didn't know about that car. The visuals I help. kept having to look up his cars because, of course, we don't live in the Australian car market. He's had a lot of crazy stuff, but it is time to transition upward. You know, Matt, I was curious because you're in Brisbane, and I was curious about Perth. And I looked up Perth, and I just wondered, how long would it take to drive from Perth to Sydney? Mm. It is a lot longer than I thought. <laughs> it's, it's like the U.S. It's yeah. 41 hours of oh, driving. Man. Yeah. That was Google Maps, like the short route. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? It'd be even longer up to Brisbane. Mm-hmm. And flying, you're flying like five hours across the country. Yes. Sydney to Auckland is like three hours. We could be in almost past Chicago. Yeah. You're driving Amazed. the width of the U.S. almost to cover Australia. It's crazy. It yeah. is crazy. Well, Matt, thank you so much for writing. He's grown up in Australia with parents who are both into cars. His mom had a Honda S800. Dad had an MGTC. And things only grew from there. Matt grew up driving an old Alfa Giulietta and at one point a Mazda 626 Turbo. His own car list includes a 1974 Toyota Corona, an 88 Holden Astra, which is a rebad Nissan Pulsar, mm-hmm. a Purvis Eureka. Purvis Eureka. Purvis I'm going to stop there real Eureka. quickly. Purvis is a family name for me going back a couple generations. Okay, so I'm always curious when I bump into that name for one reason or another. I'm always like, what? like why are they like, using my password? No. Well, I, no. <laughs> Purvis, <laughs> 23. <laughs> password, 123. Uh, but I was sitting there going, there is a car called the Purvis? Because that's not exactly uh, yeah, a sexy yeah, name. So I had to look it up. This is essentially a, a 1970s, think of it as a Ford GT40 knockoff looking shape that fit over a Volkswagen. Awesome. It's actually kind of cool looking. It's got the little pop top cabin. Okay. The whole the okay, whole cabin yeah. lifts off like a like a jet fighter cockpit. Sometimes they look okay, the whole car. <laughs> Sometimes they really, really don't. They look like something got built and melted. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> Moving on to the Nissan Pintara, the TRX, early 90s model. 
And his current wheels include a 2014 Renault Megane, the RS265, that we really like. Yeah, it's a very cool car. He calls it the Meg. <laughs> the Meg has been wonderful for seven years, about seven years, but it's time to move on from the hot hatch and on to something potentially more insane. <laughs> so that, that was one of those sentences that <laughs> caught me off guard when I was like, reading this email. What? Move on from the hot, hot hatch. And the way I'm thinking that sentence ends is not with something more insane. <laughs> yes. I love that. That's great. The one thing Matt hasn't owned is a GT car, and over the last year, the idea of having a big, lazy tourer with a V8 under his right foot has gone from the thought of, wouldn't that be nice, to, I need one. <laughs> you are a car Must. person at your core, Matt. I love yeah. it. It's great. He says his commute from the western suburbs of Bris Vegas. Bris, Bris <laughs> I've Vegas? never seen that word Bris, before in my life. Bris Vegas. Bris Vegas. Okay, all right. Anyway. Into the CBD is a round trip of about 28 miles, 45 kilometers. But he and his partner like to pick a location, jump in the car, and do impromptu road trips to places that are a couple hours away on weekends. Okay. Love it. Road you trips. won't be getting to Perth. No. <laughs> Perth is nowhere near but you. But good for you. Yeah. This has led him to looking at something that's comfortable on the highway, will eat up the miles, but he can still drive daily. He's never owned anything along the GT car lines, and it feels like the right time for that sort of change. That's good news because we are here to spend your money. Yes, we are. There are requirements. Matt does not want a sedan. It must be a coupe or mm. possibly a convertible to take advantage of wonderful weather pretty much year-round. Love it. Four seats would be ideal, even a two-plus-two, but a pure two-seater could be an option. Welcome to my option. <laughs> no turbo fours. He's been there, done that. At the least, he needs a V6, and a V8 is preferred, even with crazy petrol prices. And as much as Matt loves a manual, his partner can't drive one, and she will need to be able to drive it, so automatic. Or how about a DCT, Matt? Just mm, there you go. out there. Get you thinking. And the budget he's looking at is hard, bouncing off the limiter for $90,000. I think I'm hoping that you have already done the conversion from Australian dollars to U.S. dollars by saying I assumed grand. he didn't. Or is this 90000 Australian? I only looked with 90000 Australian, but mm. I still brought up some stuff that's beyond his budget because it's interesting talking points. But, I mean, come on, you live near the Gold Coast. Let's just spend some more money. <laughs> that's terrible yeah. to say. <laughs> well, based on his list, yeah. I didn't realize any of these, like a Cayman S, are close to 90000 Australian. Oh, fair point. Okay. So I'm wondering. Maybe he has converted it. I hadn't thought about it in those terms. Maybe you're right. Let's just pretend you've converted Let's to U.S. dollars, <laughs> okay. which is about a third. So yep. uh, Australian dollars about a third right now, at least. His requirements include an eclectic list of cars that might be suitable. He says the Meg is going to have to get sold and it'll fetch around 20 grand. And the rest will be financed. Lexus RCF from 2014 onward. Hmm. RCFs, have, are they that cheap? Yeah, well, I'm actually looking at Caymans right now, and there are quite a few for sale in Australia for under 100, 100 grand Australian. So I'm guessing Dang this, it. Is, this is pre-conversion. Keep going. Keep going. I've blown my own budget. <laughs> you can also get Cayman. I'll just terrify you real quick. Here is, you ready? A 2014 Porsche Cayman S981 with the PDK. Essentially your car, a year My older. car, yeah. You want to guess? Well, my Australian budget. money. Uh-oh. 115,000 Australian. Or 2015 Australian, so that'd 33,000 kilometers. That'd be 50 grand. So there you go. Onward to the Jaguar XKR 2013-2014, Jaguar F-Type S, a Boxster S, like a 981 or 987, the Cayman S that we're talking about, 981 or 987. That's also got an SLK 55 AMG Mercedes on here from 2009 to 2016. He prefers the older model just because of the SLR looking front end. 
That's sure. the reason they designed yeah. it that way. To, <laughs> I, well, I can't have the super expensive one. Here's the little one that's mm-hmm. cheaper. Yep. I'll buy that one. For sure. And last car on his list is a Z4 M Coupe, the BMW from 2007, 2008. And he said, all of that on the surface seems reasonable except for the SLK and the Z4. So here's where we take a left turn into madness. <laughs> Good. He asks me to be the voice of reason regarding a Maserati Gran Turismo S from 2010 to 2012. I, I want to be very clear. Voice of reason? Paul is not trying to bring a Maserati to this discussion. Matt has brought the Maserati <laughs> to true. Paul. That That's is the true. thing I want to clarify here. This is not you going, hey, what about a Maserati? Let's be crazy. This is Matt going, I'm thinking Maserati. Hey, Maserati nutball Paul, would you please talk me out of it? Which I... is not the right approach. <laughs> you should have come to me, Matt, to <laughs> be like, say, Maserati. You wrote to the wrong uh-huh. people. The top three for Matt are the Maserati, the XKR, and the RCF. So he needs our help. Which way should he go? Is there anything else that he's neglected to consider? Matt. Uh, okay, can we just start in pretend land? Sure. Let's start in pretend land. Because if you had already done the conversion, mm-hmm. I was thinking 90,000 US, mm-hmm. which is closer to like 229 Australian. <laughs> <laughs> All of my options become good options now. There you go. Well, yeah. And so initially I was thinking like a 2018 Mercedes AMG GT, the Ooh. Cabriolet. In the U.S., they are ninety grand. They're ninety-five grand. It's somewhere amazing in there. they've come down that far. Yeah, that's so much car for the money. You would yeah. love that car. Yeah, you would. There's Mercedes in Brisbane. I looked it up. Mm. Their website did not include any of these, but if you could find one, you've got a service center right there. Mm. Twenty eighteen AMG GT. But then I thought, all right, if we're already spending ninety grand, <laughs> <laughs> forgot us. He's spending too much. Let's just keep going up. I like U.S. It. dollars. There you go. Yeah, I see where you went. Yeah. The car you have described, Matt, is a C8 Corvette Stingray. Mm, you yeah. would freaking love yeah. that car. It eats the miles. Your significant other could drive it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. She would love it. You would love it. It's got plenty of space. It's designed for exactly what you're talking about. I yeah, think it would true. be perfect for Australia. What if I'm wrong? What if I do need to pull back a little bit? <laughs> and? So I did. Okay, good for you. I mean, initially I was thinking like BMW Z8s are cool, but they're not 90. They're not, they're not. 229. They're really they're not. Yeah. not. I was thinking about the two that we really like, the Toyota GR Supra or the Nissan Z. Can you get oh. any of those for your budget? Because those are fun sports cars. They are not two plus twos. They are genuine sports cars. Mm-hmm. You can get them in manual or automatic. They've got lots of power and they both can do the sports car thing. Mm. The Nissan Z is actually better suited to being a GT car, I think. Yeah, I think it is. In it that, would be in great. That spec. Yeah. Tons of power. Mm-hmm. It is a comfortable ride. I think you would love it for that exact reason. Mm. I'm kind of leaning towards the Z for your needs. If you were saying, I need some track use involved, I'd probably lean towards the GR Supra. But again, the it's GR Supra usage, is yeah. excellent too. You can do GT true. car things yeah, with the yeah, GR Supra. But I'm kind of leaning towards the Z for you. Could you do Z? Could you finagle the budget? Financing, we don't know what financing will do. But Nissan Z. Interesting. Okay, good stuff. I uh, shopped both for Matt in reality. Of, I, did a, I, I did much more. I spent much more time. This is the thing I've said about the show before. I love the places on the internet I wind up because of this show. Okay. Right. I've been shopping for cars in Australia all day today. I've never even been to the country. Okay. I'm looking around going, oh yeah, those are out of the budget. That's too bad. I couldn't believe it. I've, I've been all over the place. It's been wonderful. Funny. But I also did some stuff where I, I blew your budget. I admit it. But I'm going to talk on both sides of the equation. First off, you're talking about Grand Touring. The Lexus RCF will be the most reliable and the least interesting to drive. 
Yes. Every time I've driven that car, it was less interesting than I expected it to be when I walked up. It's going to run forever. They're not that common. It looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. There's not. There's no major downside to it other than I'm just. I've never liked it as much as I wanted to, which led me. I'm going to come back to Earth here, but led me to go. The answer is LC500. Lexus LC500. Except <laughs> those aren't 90. in Australian dollars. Those started 140 grand and go up. Oh goody. You can easily spend 200, but they start at 140 and go up. That is actually, Matt, that is your car. The Lexus LC500 is your car, which also made me think of while I was there thinking about stuff like that. I thought about, you know, wanted a V8, wants a Grand Tour. When I think Grand Touring V8, I go to one car that I, I, part of me has always wanted one in my garage the Aston Martin V8 Vantage. Those are 250 and up. Those are 250 and up in Australia. Those See, are, those are I was right hanging out. out at 229 Australia. Those are right out. So that's not going to happen either. When you said Grand Touring and you listed a lot of things that then weren't two plus twos, were only two seaters, I, I do have to say this. As much as I like the Boxster and the Cayman, the answer for you, Matt, in the, in the Porsche lineup is the 911. It is. It's better than the GT it car thing. Yeah. There are 996s, which is the uh, late 90s, early 2000s generation, and 997s, which is mid-2000s to right about 2012. Both of those generations are available for your actual $90,000 Australian budget, including, I'm looking right now at a 2005 75-kilometer Porsche 911 Carrera S Auto, Mm -hmm. 92,000 Australian. It is silver, sadly, but it is the Cabriolet, and it is in gorgeous shape. That's just one example, okay? So I think the 911 is your Porsche choice. I did have a a wildcard Porsche of a Panamera, which are also in your budget. If you're really? grand touring and chewing up miles, that is a wild card because it's not a two-door. I know How it's How old not. do you have to go to get one for his You budget? have to go a little bit back, but they're not terrible. They're, 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 there's some good-looking Panameras there, okay? okay. So okay. Panamera is an option, but I really think 911 is your play in the Porsche lineup. I, I like that one a lot. Look, the, the Jaguar F-Type is really cool, and I think it, the, the F-Type is the affordable version of what the V8 Vantage does. It's almost a V8 Vantage in look and feel, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you got it for a lot less. I actually think of your Jaguar choices, the F-Type is your choice. And then I have one more wild card that I actually did find in Australia. The C6 Corvette is in your budget. I found a really nice, well-taken-care-of red C6 Corvette V8 automatic Lots of rumble from the exhaust. Yeah. And it's a great Grand Tour with a shocking amount of space in it, both in the cabin and in the storage of the hatch. The C6 Corvette has a ton. So you can look at all those. I mean, I really want you, truthfully, the answer to your question is Lexus LC500. It's just almost double your budget. Look at it this way, Matt. I suggested C8 Corvette. LC500s are cheaper. <laughs> you're saving money. This is we're how we're going to... We're here gonna, this to is, save you this money. Is, okay, this is the podcast going forward. We're going to find the car that is twice your budget yes. and then talk you into one that is only 50% more of your budget and be like, look at how cheap. But it's less than the one we actually uh-huh. thought. <laughs> Matt, happy hunting. Really appreciate your writing. If you've got a debate like Matt's, write to us every day, TV at gmail.com for your Topic Tuesday's car conclusions and car debates. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
We always recommend that one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle is brakes. An upgraded braking system can transform a vehicle's performance and give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. From the track to the trail, even your morning commute, every vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. No matter your vehicle and driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. Just go to PowerStop.com and you fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder. You'll get matched with complete kits with components that are low dust, which we've seen, noise-free, which is amazing, and feature upgraded stopping power. We've seen great results firsthand on our cars, and we encourage you to improve your car with better brakes from PowerStop. Brake upgrades made easy. Evan H. is searching for inspiration. Ooh, okay, no pressure. Evan is a young mechanical engineer who graduated from college recently and started his first full-time job in Metro Detroit with a major OEM. Now, this is interesting because this is life has dawned story. I hate to say it that mm. way, but Evan has been obsessed with cars his entire life, and this was the career path he wanted. He picked it. It was getting him, again, original equipment manufacturer, an actual car maker. He doesn't tell us who, but one of the major car makers in Metro Detroit is who he's working for. He has targeted this company. He grew up driving GM products from his family. He got what to him is his dream job right out of college as a mechanical engineer. And he says now he's in his first job and he feels like it might make him fall out of love with cars a little bit. He's realizing that so much of the stuff that they're developing it feels too expensive or not interesting enough. So you've hit this price of fun discussion, thing, other things we have. How much money do you have to spend for it to get interesting? How much of the stuff that is affordable is interesting at all? Sometimes it's not. You've had the reality of dreaming about your dream job and having your dream job <laughs> because there it's is true. always a moment. And, I, and look, Paul and I feel really blessed to do what we do, but there are absolutely days when it's a job. True. It's like, this True. is my list of things to do, and I would like to do none of that. <laughs> oh, look, the dogs need a walk. I really haven't been on the bike in a while. Hmm, I still have to do all that stuff. Guess it's a job today. So unfortunately, yeah. that happens no matter what job you get. Evan found the perfect job, but it's just, it's souring his love of cars. Evan, I know, I'm sure you've got other interests and hobbies and that kind mm -hmm. of thing that mm -hmm. don't involve cars, and that's yeah. really healthy. Absolutely, yeah. It's really important. You've grown up your whole life obsessed, and you've only driven exclusively GM sedans. Isn't like that interesting? Malibus and Impalas, and now he drives a 2017 Buick LaCrosse gifted to him by his grandfather. Mm -hmm. He loves the comfort and quietness of the Buick, but its transmission has been acting up, and he's concerned about a major repair in the not-too-distant future. By the way, if it is transmission, a simple fluid change can limp you along a little bit further. Just Possibly, new yeah. transmission fluid can actually work wonders. It's not the end-all be-all, but... <laughs> it doesn't prevent full breakage. But yeah. What's but a 2017 Buick LaCrosse transmission cost? More than the car? Possibly. I mean, how much is that car even worth? Side note, but I'm just sitting here thinking, if you get a pitch for what the, it'll cost to replace that transmission, I have to think you're going to have to move on. He had a stint... At Lucid Motors. Mm. So he's grown to love the responsiveness and smoothness of an electric powertrain. Mm -hmm. But he is currently torn between driving the Buick until the wheels fall off so he can save for a house or trade the Buick for something more inspiring to reignite his passion for automobiles. Mm. He values a high quality interior and would like something that feels smooth and solid like his Buick, but more responsive and engaging. And the budget is around $25,000. Evan, this is fascinating. Now, I'm, I'm going to give you a couple of pieces of drive homework 
that I'm not even having on my recommendation list to buy. You need to go to Turo. Maserati's? No, 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 actually not. You need to go to Turo and you need to rent somebody's Miata Mm. for the day. Mm. I, I look, you're talking about you live in Metro Detroit. The roads aren't good. I understand this is the Miata is probably not the car for you. But you at this point in your life, Evan, are me at that point in my life. Mm. I had driven exclusively GM large sedans. Oh, that's right. Okay. By the time I got out of college, that was my entire actual regular driving experience was monster GM sedans. All the way through college, that was my personal car, even though I started to actually drive other people's a little bit. So what I discovered is the minute I got into other things, that completely different experiences started to educate me on what I actually liked as a driver. And I I submit to you, Evan, you don't even know yet. You know that you like the kind of stuff you've driven, but I'm very surprised that your takeaway here is you'd like something that feels, has a nice interior and feels smooth and solid like your Buick. I respect those requests that, that suggest another large sedan, maybe another American sedan, but I really want you, because of your life experience to this point, I want you to drive stuff totally different. I want you to rent an MX-5 and drive it around for the day everywhere you can think of. Not because you're planning to buy one, just for the experience. Mm-hmm. I want you to drive one of those. I also would like you to drive something German. Audi, I've got stuff on my recommendation list anyway, but an Audi, a BMW. You know what? Let's do the BMW 3 Series as your other Turo rental because it is the standard German sedan. It's not a flashy sedan even. It's not even like the Mm -hmm, big boy mm seven series. It's just Germans make sedan. I want you to drive one of those too, because I think driving both of those is going to color your perception of what you like and why. You may still buy one of these sedans like I'm recommending, but I think you really, really need to go drive one of those. I also think it will influence your headspace in your current job. It's good. So drive a Miata, drive a three series. Those are my two I'm throwing out there. But I'm also wanting to talk about essentially sedans for you because that's what you've driven and that you'd like an update of that. Those are great recommendations. And I like the driving of other cars, but I'm going to add something, Evan, and that is driving them in different places, Mm. not driving Mm. them on the roads, you know, not driving them near your house or, or in Detroit, Mm. you know, Detroit. Sure. I don't know if you're from Detroit or if you're from Michigan, but you need to rent those cars somewhere else. Mm, interesting. I feel like you need to go to Tennessee. You need to go to Colorado or Utah or California Fly or Vegas Seattle. for the weekend. And rent, you can rent anything you can imagine in Vegas. Yeah. yeah. Go mm. find the twisty roads Interesting. Okay. when you do that. It's a little vacation to yourself. It's some car research. Mm. Maybe you visit family or friends in whatever area mm. you, you decide upon. And you're really there to kind of refresh yourself because I'm also wondering about your career here. You work for a car company and if you fall out of love with cars, that's going to affect your work. Todd, you fell out of love with filmmaking and movies. I did. How did that affect your work? You're just your outlook towards the industry and your job. You're right. Probably went downhill. I'm guessing I had to step away for a while and that helped. Yeah. I mean, if you, decide cars just aren't for me. They're just a thing and mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. totally fine. But are you sure you want to be in that industry if you don't like the thing that you do? Because yeah. that really affects your outlook and your quality of work and mm. your desire to even put effort into the company, to your job and to your career. I really discovered I like furniture. I had no <laughs> idea that I'd like yeah, it as much yeah. as I did because Weirdly, it wasn't cars. It was a bit of a break from cars for mm-hmm. me, but I really loved materials, mm. but it did tie to cars because of interior materials. Mm. 
And I really enjoyed learning about production processes and materials and the, the world is endless for furniture design. It is truly whatever shape you can think of can pretty much be designed for a piece of furniture or furniture that is sculpture or furniture that's art. And that really helped me kind of revitalize my design thinking. And then I worked for a tech company and mm. you know what? I wasn't designing on a consistent basis, but it was a lot of products. Cars are just big, expensive products after yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. And I really enjoyed the tech side of thing and mm. learning software and learning the creative process and the use of it and learning sales and learning management mm -hmm. and a lot of other things. You can find that at the big car company that you work for. You said Southeast Michigan where the roads are bad, which is where Ford is, but you said Metro Detroit, which is where Warren is, which is where GM is. <laughs> We're not sure. It's one he, of those he two, hasn't told us. I think. But, but where you are, wherever you are in the current company though, everything, again, I think this is a fascinating sentence. Everything your company is developing feels either too expensive or uninteresting. I want to touch on one other thing real quick, Evan, and that is, and I'm, and I'm giving you permission in what I'm about to say. As your life progresses, as your adult life pro progresses, passions ebb and flow. When you're, when you're a kid and you're obsessed with something, especially when you get like, when you just enter adulthood, you're like just out of high school and into college, you have a goal. Mm -hmm. And it may take a while. Some people don't get their goal till like mid-20s. Mid but once you find your goal, I want to be about this. Mm -hmm. You think... You think you're going to be about that forever. True. And you aren't. L True. Life just changes. Stuff just ebbs and flows. And, and the reality is, if you have a long-term hobby interest, one of the only ways it stays a long-term hobby interest is you keep kind of pushing the boundary. You're putting more money toward it or more time toward it or you're going more extreme. Instead of just skiing, now we're hella skiing. Okay. Oh, Instead well, of... You put it like that. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Th this yeah. is the way that many people continue to keep their their hobby of choice alive is because they keep kind of heading out. They have their normal circuits, if you will, but then you have your place you go far afield with your hobby or people change hobbies. So you're looking mm. at a kind of an ebb and flow marker in cars. And I think you either need to have new experiences or you need to accept the fact that there may be some ebb and flow and that's okay too. I, but since you're working, you've always wanted to work in cars, you're working in cars, you're going to continue working in cars. I'd like to keep you interested in cars for all the reasons you said, Paul. Because you've driven sedans, mm -hmm. I'm going to give you two sedans that I think are really legitimate considerations for you for your next car. Okay. Get rid of the Buick. Consider, these are bookends. The Alpha Julia, not the Quadrifoglio, the normal Alpha Julia, Julia. with the Turbo 4. Yeah, yeah. That is not an overly nice interior, but it is a modern interior. It's everything you need, okay? But it's not a super luxurious interior, but the seats are very good. It's a nice place to be, but the dynamics are going to blow your mind based on your experience of the cars you've driven. The dynamics are going to wow you in that car. Mm. And it has. it's designed to be sensual and dynamic, which is not what GM sedans traditionally are. They're neither. They're very good, but they're not designed to be sensual or dynamic. So your Alpha Julio is on one end. Now, if you want to do the Buick idea the other way, Lexus LS. What's the most Lexus LS, the most recent Lexus LS you can buy for your money? Because that is Japan that does the definitive version of the kind of sedans you've driven. These are the two cars I want you to seriously consider. I have wild cards for you, but one of those two is along the lines of exactly what you've asked for, but also branching you out into, huh, I haven't had this experience really. Those are good. In regards to a house, Evan, when I was early in my career, my education career was in Los Angeles and I could never afford property in LA. And so I never thought about saving for a house. It never really occurred to me. 
I couldn't afford a house until I left LA. <laughs> that is very true. So if you if you're in California and you own property, I mean that's amazing. But you have to know where I'm coming from. Sure, sure. When I say save for house, but you don't need to buy a house now in I, your career. I agree. He doesn't need to. He because can. It's then a good investment. that's where you live, and you're going to work mm-hmm. for that company forever, and that's it. And I have the house, and the value of the house goes up, and I can't leave, and I where else do I go? Mm. But right now, you are kind of flexible. So yeah. yes, save for a house, but that doesn't need mean you need to go buy a house immediately once mm. you're saving. That doesn't mean you need to stay at the current company, because what if, as an engineer, mm. you left the car industry? Ooh, what if you were an engineer yeah. doing something else in some other industry, and using your skills and your talent and your education to be able to do that. But that brought the car love back because you're not in the car industry. I'm asking if that mm, might good. be a consideration. Where you're at now is great experience and it will translate and it will be great for you however long you stay there. But what if you went to a job somewhere else in the country, somewhere else on the planet, and you got other engineering experience that was non-automotive mm. and then the car love comes back? What if that happened? But regarding sedans, I also think the other part of that equation is you don't have to buy the products of the car company you work for. Agreed. Agreed. That is becoming more and more accepted than it was in, say, the 1970s. Mm -hmm. If you didn't tow the line, if you didn't buy that car from the company you work for, well... You're lucky if it wasn't upside down on fire at the end of the day. Pull into in the, the parking GM lot. parking lot in a Ford or vice versa. Yeah. Be careful. Yeah. Now that's completely different mm-hmm. because you can be very passionate about designing and engineering the thing that you are for the market. Mm. That is the mark of a good designer or an engineer. To design a product that is not for you. You are not the design mm. brief. In school, you are the final consumer of the project that you worked on. Mm. Uh, when you're working for somebody else, you're doing the job for them. You're being paid for your expertise to produce the photography or the design or the engineering thing for the market brief for what that is required for. That doesn't mean you're part of the market. You may never buy that product. I take that point. fine. Yeah. But yeah, if yeah. you did an excellent job and it mm, met the design mm. brief and it sold well and well, excellent. That means you're an excellent designer, an excellent mm, engineer, you're an good. excellent artist. I'm giving you permission to not buy from whatever car company you work yeah, for. Yeah, yeah the product because it's accepted to roll up in that, even though there's still parking lots, you might have to park further away, but still (laughs) figure out which parking lot it's allowed, but it does happen. Yes. I want to recommend a GT 86 to you. Oh, okay. I know the weather's bad. I know the roads are bad, but that car could still work. Mm -hmm. But the car that I think you should consider for 25 grand is the 11th generation Honda Civic SI. I think you need a manual in your life. That's really good. You need some Honda Sport in your life. Mm, That's good. It's still a sedan and it's still inexpensive enough. Insurance is a consideration here. Sure, for sure. But I think it'd be a great road trip car. I think it would work well around Detroit. Yes, the roads are bad. I had a Honda Accord when I interned at Ford in Dearborn. Mm -hmm. It really beat the heck out of that Accord, but (laughs) the Accord was fine. Yeah. And I'm coming back to that. Mm. I'm coming back to a Civic SI. They're 25 to 30, somewhere in there, maybe slightly used. It's going to feel like a roller skate compared to the stuff you've driven. Yes. That's my recommendation for you. But first, before any of that happens, I love Todd's advice to go drive some other things and dry them in some warm weather. And don't even drive them because you expect to buy them. Drive them because you've never driven anything like that before ever. In fact, I'm going to throw another one on the list. You need to rent a Corvette. 
Yes, that's good. You have GM history. You've never driven a Corvette. That's true. Come on now. <laughs> that's true. There's many people who work at car companies and haven't even driven the flagship or halo car yes, that agreed. they build. And I'm going, I'm freaking out over here. I'm like, how can you, <laughs> how come, how you and I think, how come all that particular car company has not offered the ability for all of its employees to drive mm. the thing they work so hard on, whether it's marketing, whether it's the mm-hmm, business planning, mm-hmm. whether you're a designer or engineer, or you help build it. Why can't you drive that thing too? I mean, I could never afford the furniture I was designing. Mm. I mean, I was designing conference tables that cost $30,000 for <sighs> financial service firms and law firms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that I really want one of those in my house or ever want to own one, but yeah. I needed to go sit at and feel the furniture and look mm-hmm. at it and mm. inspect it and turn it upside down and look at the furniture. I needed to go to furniture shows. I needed to go to showrooms. I needed to go to high-end furniture stores to look at this stuff and understand how it's built and... And in the case of cars, you need the opportunity to drive the cars for whatever car company you work for. Mm. There's many employees of like, and they're not even interested. Yeah, no, I've never driven it. No, I don't really care. What? <laughs> You're right. Why do you, you work I, here? Anytime you and I hear that, we, it, it, it actually hurts our brains, <laughs> but it does happen. Evan, wishing you all the best. Let us know what you find. Yeah. And yeah, we hope you come up with something that is refreshing. L- life is starting, Evan. So, so give yourself some, some leeway for sure. Mm-hmm. Lots of great questions. Thank you guys, as always, for sending those in. Again, we ask for questions on social media on Mondays and Thursdays, typically for podcasts on Tuesdays and Fridays. Sometimes there's variation, but look out for those. We're posting pictures all week that lead to price of fun. So you will be seeing more pictures even dropping today. Kind of all the group shots are dropping today because the video is dropping today. We hope you've seen it or will see it. It's we just we had so much fun. I've been watching it as as the weather little bit snowing sideways today. Mm-hmm. Well, I have been looking at this gorgeous summer driving footage and going, that's a pretty good day. I'm going to start with a question from uh, Facebook. Martin is writing in and going, I'm thinking I'm ready to sell my BMW M2 and move on to my next car. His question is, how do you know it's time to move on? Is it just as simple as thinking about it? We've got an M2 for sale over here. Come on down. we got an M2 for sale. Who that's, wants to buy an M2? That's how you know, Martin. We're now selling your M2 for you. No, seriously. You don't have to dislike your current car to get rid of it. That's not a requirement. 100%. I, I mean, I, I grew up with we drove the car until it literally could not be resuscitated, which was so far past hate, I can't even describe it to you. <laughs> you used to like it. Now you hate it. Now you really hate it. Now it just won't die. This was how long we kept cars when I grew up. You've enjoyed your M2 is what I'm hearing from you. You're not going, I hate this car. You're just going, should I get rid of it? If you're ready for a new experience, and more importantly, you are able to get a new experience, why not is my question. Agreed. If there's nothing wrong with it, why not move on? On Instagram, AlexHC09 says, you have both been put in charge of Jaguar. Ooh. Other than finally building the CX-75 and getting Taylor Swift to be seen driving the I-Pace. <laughs> that would call, solve it, wouldn't it? <laughs> what would you do to bring Jag back? I mean, if I'm already saying Taylor Swift, I might as well say the Kardashians and now we all hate me and I'm sorry. <laughs> but, if we're going to go there. But now we're selling Jags. But That's now, the thing. Jags, Jags are, are selling. selling. Uh-huh. Well, first of all, they really screwed up with the naming convention. I for an electric anything because they thought about like the iPhone and the i whatever. Yeah, that was wrong. That was way off base. No, we'd change that immediately. But you've got to think about Jaguar in the minds of enthusiasts. Mm. Nobody associates Jag with mainstream kinds of products. It's a good point. Like Nissan, like Toyota, like Volkswagen. They're all trying to build five seat SUVs. Doesn't matter the powertrain, electric, Mm, mm. gas, hybrid, don't care. And here's Jaguar, this niche 
not for everybody. They make it very clear. We are not for everyone. We mm-hmm. don't want your business. If you are not a, a JAG <laughs> customer, you sure. do okay, not subscribe yeah. to our ethos, which I cannot describe to you. I don't know what that is. We'd have to come up with one. You want our cars because they're different. They're, it says something different about you. We are not the mainstream anything. Why, JAG, are you trying to build mainstream kinds of vehicles then? Mm. The sales aren't high enough to justify, and they're not high enough that people think in your mind, you know what, Jaguar's a volume seller. Mm. What? Nobody thinks of Jaguar that way. So let's embrace the boutique. Let's mm, embrace like the that. not normal. Let's like embrace, that. you're right, the CX-75. Why come up with concepts that you completely ignore with e-paces that have a gas mm. engine in them? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. What? <laughs> I'm confused and yeah, I don't even know I what it drives it. like. And then you try to tell it. me, well, no, we come from Jaguar, so it's kind of a rear drive biased SUV, but it's small and it looks like a front wheel drive, dumb looking thing. Come on. You have the history and the ability to design the sexiest, most beautiful cars ever created. You have that ability to continue Mm -hmm. that Jaguar. Mm -hmm. Why aren't you embracing that? Why aren't you even more boutique than Aston? You know, it's dawning on me as we're talking here. I'm trying to think of another car company that has the problem I'm about to state. If you go up to anybody that kind of knows cars, and you ask them what a Jaguar looks like, you'll probably get one of two answers. An E-Type or the XJ sedan with the four round headlights that existed in some form for like four decades. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is there any other car company that would, if you ask them what their car looks like, you're referencing a car from 40 or 50 years ago? Porsche 911s. <laughs> well, well, fair. No, that's good. That's Yikes. good. But that has at least been, but they they are continuing to make that car. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But I'm saying both the cars I've listed are not in production anymore. But when people think of Jag, they think of cars from 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago as the car. That's what Jaguar means. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Jaguar doesn't even know what Jaguar means. And you're right. Even those sedans from the 70s were sensual and beautiful and looked like no other sedan on the market at that time. You glimpse one in traffic, you know it's a Jaguar. Just like that. And and the average person, I think they think Jaguar and they think one of those two cars and wit, those cars are dead. Alex, I am not saying that we need to be a boutique car manufacturer. Here I am. We, we own Jag. We, we do. We're, Here we're, I am yeah. like embracing Jag ownership. Brace yourself. Stuff's happening. It's I don't own awesome. a Jag. Mm-hmm. I own Jag. Jag. <laughs> I don't own a Jag. I own Jaguar. Yes. So, I'm not saying that suddenly it's boutique and it's bespoke and we're trying to do something different for everybody. And it's like Porsche's special wishes program or Ferrari's program where we just build like two of them. Not saying that for JAG, but it's so exclusive and it is beautiful materials and it is honest use of materials, Mm -hmm. but they're beautiful and they're really powerful and they drive really well and they're made for the kind of market that you think JAG is. But then when you look at their website and look at their offerings, you scratch your head and go, but that's not what Jaguar means. That E-Paces and I-Paces and Pace anything and that's not JAG. JAG means CX-75. Let's have a name for that car. We'll come up with something contrived, but still. Look at that sensual thing. I just want it. That's the whole reason we want cars is because, well, I just want it. (laughs) Let's build the things that you just want. That's what Jaguar should do. When you look at it, when you read the specs and stats, you're like, I don't care. I don't know how I'm ever going to be able to afford that thing. I just want it. I Mm. need it. Mm. It makes me ache with want. That's when you know Jaguar is back, and that's how to revitalize Jaguar. That's awesome. H20 on Instagram says, why is it that American car makers, with few exceptions, are so bad at making small cars? 
And I think a key thing here... Texas, Wyoming, Montana? Well, yes, exactly. <laughs> because let me flip it around. <laughs> Japan struggled for decades to make well-selling, actual full-size trucks in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. This, and, and I'm going to bring up another thing. Lotus, I've actually never been to Hethel, but I have heard many, 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 quite a few people that have been to Hethel have talked about how you drive all the roads around Hethel and you go, oh, now I understand why Lotus is designed for like Lotus, why mm. they drive like Lotus. Mm-hmm. People have talked about this, about uh, going to Ferrari. The roads around there, you go, oh, I, okay, I get it, mm-hmm. all right? Yeah. My point is, America builds cars for American cities and roads, which do not have small B roads. If you think about Britain, we, we have lots of straight lines, we have lots of grid structure in our, in our cities, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then we have lots of roads where it's like, you see that dot at the horizon? Yeah, we're going toward that <laughs> in a straight line for the next two hours. That's true. So having something small and chuckable is kind of irrelevant, but you need something long wheelbase that's just going to saw the miles. And so you end up with everything here is huge. So now you have a car maker, a U.S. car maker, trying to make something small and chuckable in a world that doesn't need it, their backyard, if you will. And that's hard to design for something that you aren't actually using. And I think the way these car cultures are grown up separately, I'll go back to Toyota and trucks. Toyota designs and builds their trucks in the U.S., Okay, that's true. <laughs> They're not designing and building them in Japan that's to true. ship to the U.S. They build them in Texas, okay, because <laughs> Texas knows trucks, so they build, designed it for Texas and Texas. So this is the thing. What, what is your home market, and, that, and what are you building cars for? And that really affects the reality. Anthony Zerg has to change the rear tires on his 86 every year. <laughs> really? <laughs> huh. Give me a minute. Weird. That's actually his question. But the fronts last several uh huh. Why? What are you doing, Anthony? <laughs> How sideways are you, buddy? Exactly. Uh huh. Power is going through the rear. That's where the power is. <laughs> it doesn't matter how hard you're turning in. And I mean, more equal use on track, certainly for a wheel drive car, but I am not surprised. Same thing happen- happens to me on the Cayman. The rears go quick. Mm-hmm. Powers, well, fun. they're towed in quite a bit. That's why it handles so well. And mm. they just choose through tires. The power is going through those rears. Ted Adam Green is saying, what lessons? From the peak of 80s badge engineering, remember when they made cars that looked all the same? Like GM had like, they had four cars that were, if you parked them side by side, the only difference was like the grill and the badging, okay? He said, what can we hope manufacturers will apply that they learned from that era as they're starting to take EVs and badge engineer EVs? You and I walked from Cadillac to Acura to Honda at the LA Auto Show, Mm -hmm. which is the Lyric, the ZDX, and the prologue, they are all the same chassis. Blazer. <laughs> yeah, over and, there. and then there was Blazer beyond it. You're right. They look quite similar in profile. But here's here's the best example, recent example I can think of. You have to go beyond, I, I know it seems stupid, just changing the badges. And the worst recent example I can think of is the Fiat 124 Spider, mm-hmm. which they changed the exterior quite a bit, which is very impressive. Okay. But the interior is literally a Fiat badge in the steering wheel. The rest of it was identical. Yeah. You could cover up the badges in either one and guess it was either car. So we need more thinking that does the exterior of the 124 where you really made it look like your own unless that is the interior of the 124 where, well, we'll just put our badge on the steering wheel and be done. You're going to have to actually have a rethink on exterior and interior design to differentiate and 
GM themselves have struggled with this for a long time until the most recent version of the Escalade, which actually had different interior styling than the Suburban of the same era. And we went, there you go. (laughs) It's not just the same thing with a slightly nicer products in it. It's just make it look different. Ted, I blame executive management because they are brought in to squeeze more dollars out of Mm -hmm. the sales. I blame the marketing. I blame the product planning. I blame executive management. When they see dollar signs in their eyes Mm. by just making a variety of cars on a single platform. Yeah, yeah. Because they see, well, that's business efficiency. Mm -hmm. That just makes good business sense. Let's just build them all as use one platform. The Volkswagen MEB platform now is the new one for their future EVs. (laughs) MQB has become MEB. GM is guilty of putting the Ultium platform under anything from Mm -hmm. the Blazer and the Hondas and the Hummer and everything. The new Silverado, the future Mm -hmm. EV Silverado, whatever that turns into, even though they're sort of rethinking their Ultium platform, I think. At this point, because the Cybertruck kind of appeared and smacked the Hummer around a little bit. (laughs) The Hummer deserved to be smacked around. It deserved to be smacked. Onward, yes. I agree. But all of this... Let's use the same engineering, the same platform to squeeze more models. Nobody will know. Consumers aren't savvy enough. They don't notice the difference. Yeah, we do. (laughs) Everybody notices. (laughs) Even the most non-car person is like, isn't that like the same thing over at that car for like a whole lot more money? Everyone notices. You're not being clever. You're not being amazing. I'm not saying that has to happen across the board, but you need to differentiate your product brands and the product portfolio and maybe spend a little bit more money and maybe care a little bit more about cars because Oof. ooh, they should be asked. When when being hired on, I think one of the questions that, that people should be asked is, do you even like cars? <laughs> like, I know you want a job and I know you think you want to work here, but do you like cars? Because the people who are going to buy these things really like cars. They will notice mm, mm. if you just try to turn it into another toaster, another toilet, another thing that is just like every other product on the market. And that's my fear for EVs. Mm. But I think the general public is waking up and I think manufacturers are starting to go, huh, we might need to do something different to mm. get the sales back up. I think it's being noticed. Aaron B is asking what cars, Porsche or otherwise, would really benefit from the T treatment? Oh, Corvettes. Yeah. The C8 Corvette needs a T. It desperately needs to be stripped out, lightweighted, and called the T. The Corvette Mm. T. Mm. Stingray T. (laughs) Stit. Stingray, but the T's extra big. Yeah. The word stingray, but the T's extra big. That's terrible. Something like that. There's pretty much every manufacturer that builds sports cars needs a T version of that car. That just means lightweight. Yeah. Well, only in the case of Porsche does it mean lightweight, even though the T from Porsche is actually supposed to mean touring, but Porsche is the king. Once you start putting turbo on the back of electric cars, really, you could just use your badges to be whatever you'd like them to be. That's really what's happened over at Porsche. So now T for touring means lightweight. Instead of that Audi phase, T meant supercharged. Uh, Yes, to supercharge. Supercharged. Jared Rose won. Gosh, it's ridiculous. Jared Rose won has written in with actually a great question, Jared, and that is if you've got three to $500 to spend on a weekend car experience, what do we think is the better way to spend it? A day or two on track. He hasn't done a track day before with some instruction or a weekend trip with a friend on great driving roads with typical road trip antics. Hmm. Now, Jared, I'm going to cop out initially by saying both. You need to do both because (laughs) they are different. However, however, my question for you is what do you, I'm assuming this is like I can do one or the other this year. 
So my question is, what do you want to get out of the experience? And my point is this. If you go take a road trip with a friend, there will be laughter. There will be some funny meals. You'll probably eat too much. You'll, you'll see some really cool roads. You'll trade off cars. You'll have memories. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you'll come back for that and be like, I'm a different driver. You will have had some cool experience. Mm-hmm. I drove and it was a lot of fun. If you go to the track day, especially if you have an instructor, you're going to have your perception of driving changed. So yeah. while you'll leave the, the weekend road trip with your buddy with some cool memories... It's not necessarily going to affect your driving going forward, except you're going to be excited about your next road trip, which we always are. But if you go take a track day, it's going to alter, I promise you, all of your driving going forward. You're going to look at driving and others driving and this on-ramp differently. So what are you hoping to get out of the equation to figure out what to put in? Fantastic advice. Thank you for all your emails. We really appreciate it. EverydayDriverTV at gmail.com. When you think of something funny, you got a topic Tuesday, you got a debate, drop us a line. We're always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.